how to make trucking cool again is our tagline, right? Yep. We're making trucking cool because how are you nice. going to... How are you going to get those kids interested in working on trucks? If if the industry has a bad rap, nobody is going to be excited to go into it. Welcome to Diesel Stories, where we sit down with professionals across the industry to hear about their journey. I'm Jacob Finley, along with Chris O'Brien. Today, we're talking with Sebastian Bruzak, CEO and founder of Era Transport, and Jose Hernandez, Era's lead technician. Sebastian and Jose co-host the Truck U podcast. Sebastian and Jose, welcome. Great to have you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. And we got Chris here too. Yep. Good afternoon. So I've been watching your videos. You guys are doing a great job getting content out there, like basically showing what's going on in your shop. I'm curious where what your story is. How did you guys get into this? Um, not just into the video side of things, but also into like truck repair fleet. And what do you guys do and where you're from? Maybe you guys can kind of tell us the story. Uh, Sebastian, if you want to start, where you, where did you grow up? How did you get into this? I grew up in Poland uh, up until I was 19. And I'm not going to give you the long story. I'm going to give you the very short one. So uh, 19, I came to the US. Um, to meet my parents, I hadn't seen my parents for a long time, so I was like, okay, like, let me go check it out in the U.S. I always want to live here. Uh, didn't speak English and I was 24, and then my dad was a trucker and had a small business, and I got into it helping him, um, and that's how I fell in love with trucking. He was, ever since I was a little kid, he always drove a truck or did something with trucks or worked on them in Poland, and then when he left in 1990, uh, I was a little kid, uh, it kind of stayed with me. So when I came here, I, I wanted to, you know, um, be in the industry as well. So you, you, from 19 to 24, you didn't speak English living in the U.S.? No, I, no, I came here. Yeah, I came here when I was 19. I couldn't, I understood a lot because I watched Matrix part one and I, <laughs> I, I, I understood everything they said. And then that was kind of my basis. And then I was like, okay, I, if, if I want to stay here and live here, then I had better commit and work on my communication. So that's how it started. And you hadn't seen your your parents for a while. My dad 11, 11 years, my mom seven years, yeah. Wow, so you came in around 2000, 2001? 2001, right before 9-11, yeah. Just made it in. I used to live in Vienna. I lived in Austria for a couple of years and uh, met a lot of people from Poland, so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful place. We used to uh, we used to do weekend getaways in Vienna from Poland. I I live on this. I used to live on the southwest side, so it was like a seven eight hour drive for us. Not a big deal. Yeah, in, in in Vienna they actually have this big monument, a whole church like dedicated to the Polish people because they saved them from the uh, Ottoman Empire's siege of the city. I don't know if you've ever heard the story, but it's a big. No, I haven't. To be honest with you, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, north of. Uh, the city in Kallenberg. Anyway, Jose, what about you? Uh, for me, born and raised in Chicago. Uh, my father's been a truck driver for roughly 18 years. So I believe that's what got me really interested in, in the industry. Uh, always, I was always uh, around trucks. I uh, have a couple uncles, cousins that are truck drivers as well. So I believe that's like a big part of it. Nice. And um, when, how did you guys meet? On um, Tinder? No, I'm kidding. Uh, we met actually <laughs> uh, on Craigslist. Uh, I'm going to be cracking Joe's left and right here. Um, 
I would say uh, I was hiring. So let me give you the quick uh, overview. I have a I built a trucking company um, since 2015 is 14 when I started driving. So I drove trucks for a little bit. Uh, started building my fleet, um, got to some, uh, you know, 30-some trucks and figured I have to uh, get a shop. Um, an opportunity came along. I bought somebody out, got a got a pretty decent-sized shop. I mean, it's a medium-sized shop, nothing crazy about... 12 eight, trucks. No, 12 trucks, 8,000 yeah. square feet, um, and a big parking lot along with that. So we're, we are, um, you know, as I was growing my fleet, I started hiring techs and then jose showed up for an interview um he was the only one that knew the answer to when uh did the egr emissions kicked in what year uh which was crazy because you would think te- uh, you know the diesel technicians would know it and he was the only one that was like you're hired <laughs> so that, that was a test that was a test yeah is it 2007 <laughs> uh no it was 2004 actually three four was the was answered yeah i'm thinking dpf right Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's the DPF year. You're thinking okay. about, think right. about DPF. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that I don't know. Cool. Well, well, yeah. Very cool. So it's interesting. You drove a truck though, Sebastian, and you built your business. How did you, were you driving for somebody else over the road or did you start dispatching? Cause to just start buying new trucks, that's a big commitment. Like most owner operators, you're still not really making a bunch of money doing that, uh, that, that gig. You're right. I, I what I did is, um, like I mentioned previously, my dad had a small operation under somebody. He was an owner op. Uh, so how I started is I did my CDL, started driving for him, and then I've managed his business. Uh, got pretty good with hiring drivers, building you know the operations, improving it, and then we decided to sell it. So when he retired, I started my company and started started growing. I knew I always wanted to create a company, a driver focused company. And under somebody, I wouldn't I wasn't able to do it. I want to do it on my own. I wanted to get my own DOT. So right off the get go, I got my DOT numbers started hauling freight like crazy it was pre ELDs. So it was all paper logs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't mention uh, it's just between you and out, you know, you and me, but uh, it was fun. Yeah. And we're at about our fleet is about 50 trucks right now. Nice. That's impressive. Thank you. Yeah, that is impressive. So you guys are running your own fleet and you have a shop. Yes. Are you guys doing outside work or is it all your own? We did. Right. For, for a while we for, did. For a while we did, but I've been disappointing uh, customers and I decided just to stop it because I couldn't handle the business. Um, and we were trying to find techs that are as passionate as we are in, in, in servicing, you know, making it pretty much... What, what we're trying to do is to, to have a high level of, as a small shop, high level of service and, and quality and, and create extra value for, for guys. Well, we couldn't deliver. Uh, everything was happening very quickly. Our podcast starting to be uh, somewhat popular. People were showing up left and right. We were trying to handle it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? We, can't pro- we cannot deliver our, our, our promise. Let's just stop it for a little bit. And I just, you know, let's focus on our fleet and then regroup, rethink how we want to do it, and then uh, go from there. So we're in process of that right now. Gotcha. It makes sense. So you're going to keep going with the shop. You're just running it for your own, for your own trucks. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, we have enough trucks to handle. Um, we have right now about four or five techs, uh, full-time techs, and then some uh, additional help. But 
we're doing fine. I just bought uh, 10 units that are being delivered right now, and that's a lot of work for us for the next few weeks. So, um, yeah. yeah. Do you do uh, like equipment restoration where you buy older equipment that comes off a track lease and then rehab it, get it up and running, and then absorb it into the fleet? Or will you buy just new iron right from the dealer? Uh, we are buy. I, I usually buy wholesale uh, used fleet equipment. Yeah, so either lease or uh, either, even gliders. But um, uh, we can get into that a little later. But lately, I've been only focusing on uh, D13 Volvos and been having my network look out for what I'm looking for and just let me know, hey, we have X number of trucks. Do you want it? And then I just buy them in bulk. Uh, we're pretty pretty good with D13s right now. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, standardize the fleet. I'm getting to a point that 50, 60 trucks, um, you know, having different trucks is not doing us any, I'm trying to simplify it, right, for us with parts, with everything. Yeah. Same chassis, same engine. That, that's what we would do too. That's, it's a very interesting, that's, that's why I was, I used to manage a large fleet and we had several hundred trucks and that's the, that's the problem. You start getting the best deal, you start getting courted with different um, uh, brand names. And next thing you know, you kind of have like a mess of different turbos, different problems, EGR issues. Uh, um, our biggest mistake was some international products uh, back in the day, pre-EGR, right? The, uh, the turbo, <laughs> the classic turbo and engine, premature engine failure. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting because once you get a spec, you can start to really refine and hone the maintenance. You know what's going to go wrong before it goes wrong. You're, you're looking for certain things because you you really are intimate with that truck and that spec. So uh, it's interesting that you're 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 a smaller business than we were, and you're you're like seeing that right out of the gate, and you're seeing the value in owning the maintenance life cycle yourself versus trusting somebody else, whether that be margin or quality. I love that you focused on quality as part of your intro. It's impressive. Yeah, thank you. I've been. Um, Every since I started driving, I've passionately been learning about what should I do. Um, how should I say this? All the endless hours of audiobooks about business and you know the time I had behind a wheel. It was me reimagining imagining pretty much every aspect of the business that I want to build. So I had time to do it as I was driving, and now I'm just implementing. I told Jose the other day, I'm like, look, I, sometimes I have to pinch myself because I'm at a point where. I've everything I've dreamed about, I'm actually building right now. And we have a great group of techs, uh, great culture. My entire ops team on my trucking side is is amazing group of people that I was able to assemble. And we're just trying to do things a little differently, right? We have our ups and downs, but um, yeah, to your point, I my, my commitment to um, under, try to understand trucking and logistics from the from the ground up when I was driving was was the the foundation I that helped me to you know be ahead of my competitors I guess. Yeah, it's very impressive. Very impressive. High five. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So when you guys are kind of building and maintaining your own equipment. It, the, the strategy that some of the bigger fleets typically play is they buy brand new equipment. It's all under warranty. And then by the time it goes out of warranty, they kick it out of the fleet, right? And you guys are buying this stuff that's obviously out of warranty or even gliders. And so the burden kind of comes on you guys to keep these things running, right? There's not a lot of warranty work involved. 
how do you, how is that working out for you guys as a strategy? So it's, uh, what I can tell you is I was able to build my fleet that was, what I'm trying to tell you is I was lucky to understand and get into mechanical uh, understanding of trucks and understanding maintenance early on in my career because that's what usually makes or breaks an owner up, right? If you don't understand what truck you're driving and you have a high maintenance uh, cost, it's going to put you out of business because on top of that, you have to learn how to actually run it as a business, which the truck is the key element in the entire game. I was lucky because I understood that pre-emission trucks will let me survive and actually I've built the fleet on buying old Volvo D12s, which to my, both of our uh, experience are probably one of the best engines out there. And a lot of people right now will comment, no, you're, you know, that's not true, but I can guarantee you it's one of the most reliable engines from our our experience. We, at some point I own 30 of them, right? And, and it's hard for me to let go of of those because those are the last ones that uh, were pre-emission. And I mean, pre-emission quote quote unquote, because they had EGR valves, but they didn't have DPF, they didn't have SCR. And that's what helped me with my business. Now to your question, I don't want to go on on the tangent here. You're looking at, you don't have a lot of options. Gliders are limited. You don't have a lot of gliders on the market for a fleet of my size. I'm not going to go out and buy 50 gliders. I can't afford that. They're double the price that I'm actually buying my Volvos. So what do I do? Well, I have to specialize in one make and model uh, spec. We like Volvos because I think the D13 ultimately is a good engine, but the emissions are, you know, the problem here, not the engine itself. Right. So uh, to your question, it is, it is a challenge because going through 19 early 2020 20, obviously the rates were there there was not a lot of movement in the freight so i had to be very careful how to navigate that um because you have the downward trend of rates back then i'm not saying right now but back then and all of a sudden your maintenance costs go up right and that's yeah. where the, the trucking margins are slim as we as i think you guys know um so yeah it is it is tough but standardizing the fleet um maybe improving the shop operation which is a very important component of a trucking fleet um, because now you can find cheaper uh, parts you can buy in bulk you can um you have a lot of different um options and opportunities to save on maintenance and and that's what that's what excites me about that aspect of of trucking is is maintenance and and uh, uh, and understanding, I preach in our podcast, we talk all the time, like you have to know your tool. You have to know the truck that you have uh, to survive in this business, right? Yeah, makes sense. It, I, you mentioned you guys are transitioning away from dealing with outside customers for your shop because you want to focus. Um, what is it, what are the kind of the differences of running an internal shop for a fleet versus a shop where you're serving outside customers? Like what are the key differences and what's the same? like in terms of like running it efficiently? That's a very good one. I would say turnaround time, how quickly we're trying to, how we're minimizing our downtime as a fleet versus customers. Obviously we both care, we care about customer turnaround, but um, with our fleet, since I own both businesses, I'm pushing 
and Jose can probably right like sometimes yeah he he feels the extra tension because we got to get those trucks out and then a lot of it is also determined by parts availability and things that are out of our control but the difference i would say in the number one thing is to us from what i've been experiencing lately i would like to apply the same level of quality of service to my outside customers as i do to my own trucks and if i cannot do that then i'm going to have to pause my outside outside customer um servicing and that's what we've been doing uh, we, we are we have high standards and we want to f- tune in and fine tune our operation in the shop learning on our fleet if that makes sense so when you're dealing with outside customers they have the same interests that you do in terms of maximizing uptime minimizing downtime and and that makes sense you want to make sure that you're satisfying them um but there's also some other pressures around well now you're having to create invoices for the shop right markup parts and deal with all of that how does that stuff change when you're not dealing with outside customers i mean you're you're obviously not having to worry about doing accounts receivable and and all that stuff but then there's also profit that's not coming in what's the what's that trade off like so the way i did it i can tell you uh, i found full bay right when you were launching and i was like this is going to go because i'm a tech i love tech so every move even before i bought the shop i already ha- i already signed up for full bay and i was playing with it that's cool so even though i'm i i knew i was investing in the shop to service my own fleet, I wanted to run it potentially be, to be able to scale it up and have multiple locations. Therefore, I invested in in the software that was going to help me do that. So, um, by the way, I I think Sharon Sharon told me that you guys were customers, and I had completely forgotten until you just said that. I didn't realize you guys were. Yeah, yeah, we've been. We've been. Sorry, we've Chris. Been using you. <laughs> no, I was like, yes, there you go, the plugin. Go ahead. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I didn't realize that, but yeah, keep going. No, we we've like I said, I've bought it early on, and and I could I could tell you, regardless if it's our fleet or our own uh, tr- um, customers, I committed to using it no matter what because I've seen in the industry uh, a fleet with their own shops struggling with understanding what their cash flows, their inventory, uh, invoicing, and and accounting, and I wanted to avoid it. Well. Was I successful? I don't know yet. We're still implementing it and learning it and fine-tuning everything, right? But with with the support we have from Full Bay, from you guys, um, my shop manager Rick, which is not with us uh, right now, he's he loves it, and and I'm not. I'm, I'm we've been talking about it back and forth. But he was he came in here from a dealership. He was he used to work. Um, he was a manager at a, at a dealership and he, he came into us and wanted to be part of our team. And he looked at full bay. He's like, man, this is like one of it's the amazing. best things I've been, um, working on. And I'm like, well, awesome. And then I have friends that own shops and they're like, they're not using, they're doing everything by paper. I'm like, how, how, how can you even do that? So if it's an internal shop, thanks for your kind words, by the way. Um, if it's an internal shop, it's still a big deal to be counting inventory and making sure parts aren't walking out of the door. And, and all of that, right? Yeah. When yeah, you're paying the vendor bill, 
because you yeah. still have to account for it and and the, the the killer in in all this is the the inventory that you're unintentionally building in the shop right if i'm ordering parts right. and then they're dead on the shelf then i'm losing money they're just sitting money over there right so yeah, exactly. so that was that was my intention to, to have a tool um it, which right as i started era service our shop you launched um or or you were on the market already but but it was getting better and better and i and i watched it grow and i'm like okay this is what we're going to use because there were other platforms i looked at none of them were my uh, i wasn't interested in anything that wasn't cloud-based i wanted to have something that's that's online right when you're okay so just i just wanted to like drill into the shop thing here and jose i'm talking to you too so um <laughs> uh, sorry i keep talking to Sebastian, but um, when you're running this internal, sh by the way, how long did you, were you guys serving outside customers? How long did that go on? Uh, I'd say like a good year and a half, right? Since mm -hmm. I've been here. Yeah. 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 Year and a half, two years. The whole shop is about two and a half years. Um, and did you say you were doing that from the very beginning? We right. did. Yeah. Yeah. We did start uh, taking customers. We had some trusted customers that wanted to work with us. And yeah. We did. We we wanted to see if if they can help with the business. Can I actually afford my fleet to to you know uh, have a big shop like that as a as an you know a fleet shop? Uh, but now I know I can. So yeah, it was about a year and a half, two years. We were servicing customers. Yeah, right. Makes sense. So the concern was like, I'm gonna shell out to set up a whole shop. Is it worth? Like, can my fleet support this thing? Like, justify the full cost, and I can actually make more money um, selling to other people. I mean, do you miss the do you miss the profits you're getting? You know, because obviously you're marking up parts and stuff. Do you think you're gonna miss that, or is it is it is it worth it? It's it is yeah. worth it for sure. My question is, if why would I? do a disservice to our customers if i have a mess in how everything is ran right and i'm not yeah the, and what i what i mean by that is i don't want to pretend i'm a, i hope you guys already see it i'm a straightforward guy i'm not gonna um try to pretend anything and building a shop from somebody that lo loves business but is but never owned a shop i have you know it's my my first year, year and a half was hardcore learning um, yeah. university, right? And, and yeah. we've learned a lot. We're getting better at it. And full bay is a big part for us in this. And and right now with my manager, the, the confidence we have in inventory and, and how we're actually managing projects with uh, text using the tablets, I mean, I could, if you want, I could be in advertising for you, but <laughs> we can shoot a quick <laughs> ad here. But it has been helping yeah, sure. a lot. Um, and and I, w once I iron out all the minor issues, then we'll be ready for, you know, uh, onboarding new techs, getting new team members here, training them, and then expanding to other outside customers with probably second location. Okay, gotcha. So you may you're thinking you might go back to outside customers once you kind of get a handle on things. I would love yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay, that's, gotcha. we, we love our, yeah. our audience. They, they show up, we, they show up out of nowhere. We hang out with them. Then we help them out with trucks as much as we can. Can we service them? Not at the level we want. So as of right now, we're just trying to help them out and guide them in, buy, in their buying process and, and becoming owners. 
Yeah, we hear that from shops a lot that the they they don't have really any trouble finding customers, like people that need work done. Yeah, right now I would say yes. I would say 2019 was uh, was a pretty slim slim time. Was for, it? Yeah. You guys are in Chicago area. Yeah. It seems like if you have a reputation too, like you guys have a reputation of trustworthy. You seem like good guys, you know, just meeting you. It, it, um, I could see where you genuinely would look out for me as a truck owner. If I, if I was an independent or something, it seems like just having a casual conversation, the way you talk about your business, how you're invested in it. It's about quality. It just like, I could totally relate and be like, I want these guys working on my truck. So um, I could see where it's easy to, to want to do business with you. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah. We, yeah. we've been talking about, we both are aligned on how we look at serving other people. And, you know, I'm a, we're both millennials. I'm an, I'm older. Jose could be my son, but uh, we could, <laughs> I don't, I know I don't look it, but he could be my son. son. And what I'm, what I want to do is, um, you know, if I don't have a, I'm driven to help people and that's my tool to do it. And if, when I drove, I got burned on shops. I, I was like, well, how is this happening? Like, why are there so many shops that just don't give a crap, you know? So everything I do, I want to make it a little better for people to, to, to get a good service and yeah, good quality. Sense. Hey, Sebastian, what's on your hat? United by Diesel? Yeah, I'll send that, you one. Is that you guys? Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, cool. we got, sh we, so since I own a trucking company in the shop, we're like, well, what's uniting us? I'm like, well, United by Diesel. And then underneath it says Holland America. That's awesome. Because we're, yeah. Holland America. That's cool. Yeah. That's we, cool. early on, we had a sticker that was like, uh, we believe in heavy duty, I guess, but similar font. I like that. Jose, what, what do you got on your app, Jose? What do you, what do you, I can't tell if it's a, a truck bottle you. of whiskey or a piston. Wait a minute. I get it now. I get it yeah. now. Okay. That's cool. All right. I, we got to do the a name. hat exchange. I like them both. That's cool. Yeah, we'll totally ship you guys the hats. Um, do you guys think, Sebastian, do you, do you think you could go to Poland and open a Poland location? No. What's different over there? Um, mindset and mentality. I could tell you I'm almost 40, so I've been half my life there and half of my life here. And... I I consider myself more American than Polish, if that makes any sense, um, yeah, sure. since I'm 100% immigrant. But I could tell you, no, I love it here, and I would I would what I would want to focus is on having more locations in the U.S. and the mar the trucking industry is different, the people are different, the mindset is different. Um, I'm not interested in uh, doing a, a air service uh, Polish location. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just curious. There are independent truck shops in Poland, though, right? Yeah, I actually know somebody that has a trucking operation there, and they're, they're, they have it a lot harder than us, let me, let me just tell you that. Are they, uh, is Poland Schengen zone, like you can drive to into Germany without it is, yeah. showing yeah, the passport? Schengen, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, so there's a lot of like inner like country traffic, I would imagine. It, like it is, through. and it's also, you know, the, the infrastructure isn't as good as, it, as it's here. It's getting better and better, but I can tell you, working on cab overs is not always fun. Here, Sucks, you just pop yeah. the hood and and you know, and then you know how right. Europe has all the cab overs, so you have to flip the cab. So those Scania things, right? Because they're regulated on the entire length of the full combo. Unit. Because of yeah, because of the sizes of the you know streets and and how hard it is sometimes to get to the inner cities and the smaller 
smaller cities or even the even the bigger cities that were built in the 15th century or something like that. Right. Chris, it used to be like that here, right? That's why we had so many cab overs in the U.S.? Well, I, that's how I learned. I, I learned how to drive on a cab over. <laughs> so really? I drove a semi-truck and uh, nobody wanted it. But I'll tell you what, I could go into a tight corner and come right out. And uh, anybody with fairings, full cab, was like, how did he do that? And you could just, you could totally... We used to do a 28-footer. I could do a U-turn on a two-lane street with a 28-footer and a cab over. So there's some advantages to it if you're in delivery and you're trying to move fast. Um, but, yeah, uh, they are difficult to work in. And you um, you let off the gas when you cross a bridge or a railroad track. That's for sure. <laughs> Plus comfort, right? It's not as comfortable yeah. as a conventional you're riding truck. on the engine, basically. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. You... If, you, if, if you're into the gas and you cross a railroad track, we would you could do like you'd fly out of the seat, right? <laughs> Woo! So you're belted in to stay in your seat. <laughs> yeah, we have a video on our channel. When I went to Poland um, a year and a half ago, I shot a video driving a V8 Scania, and it was just, uh, just kind of a quick vlog. And, oh, my God, it's such a difference... In in the quality and the the right quality with that well when you have a trailer on it's better but bobtailing it was just I felt like I was in um at a you know at a um, Six Flags or something you know <laughs> exactly exactly you ever see those in the U S the Scanias yeah I've seen there's actually a carrier uh, I think they're out of Canada and they have a dedicated lane to Chicago and I've seen their Scania the old school 80s one they have somebody driving it back and forth which is crazy just for the fun of it or wow. that's yeah, what I they... guess it's it's I don't know I think they had them at some point in Canada um, but well they imported them uh, to Canada we built ours in the US but they were you know shipping from France or whatever and I'm, I'm guessing they just kept it but I think they have a like early 90s uh, cab over Scania V8. Wow. So you guys are sticking with the Volvos. You're not going to switch the fleet over to Scania cab overs? No. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about bringing a cab over Volvo from Europe just as a marketing piece, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be, that's, a, that's a rare. I actually saw a uh, uh, Volvo cab over here, and then there are some, um, no, there I, don't, I forgot which one was it, but I saw a Volvo cab over here once, which was surprising, um, but I couldn't find who, why, and how somebody brought it in here. So, And they have the DPF and everything over there, right? I mean, that's not... Uh, they, they do, yeah. They don't have... Now they, they have SCR and DPF, but they, uh, they didn't have EGR. I think the latest one is exactly what we have here with EGR. EGR, SCR, really? and DPF. We're kind of synced up with them. When you guys are doing outside, what kind of customers are you going for? Because you guys are over the road. Uh, and maybe I should ask that first. Like for your fleet, what are you guys doing LTL truckload or are you staying in town? What do you guys do? We do, we do truckload. We do intermodal and uh, uh, packages. We, we do um, we kind of do three different modes, uh, you know, packages, uh, then drive-in and then uh, intermodal. And yeah, we've been targeting anybody that really has you want to 10 trucks, that's one to 20 trucks. Maybe not everybody with 20 trucks can afford a shop um, and team to work on them. So that was our target. Obviously, with the podcast, a lot of our owners were showing up. Um, so that was that was something that we we were like, OK, every owner talks about getting another truck and wants to learn. So the ones that were successful 
we're trying to expand, yeah. you know, and build fleets. But okay. yeah, small fleets, owner ops. I think that's that's the that's the audience that has limited options as far as good quality service. Right? You you have dealerships at a level, fleet level, and then you have the smaller guys are and and I'm speaking from experience only in the Chicago area, but then you you end up with a service shop that not necessarily knows what they're doing as far as emissions and programming. So you guys feel like uh, it's about 20 units is kind of the break point for a fleet being able to actually operate their own internal shop? I would say so. Yeah. I would would say I've, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's, that's a guesstimate, but that's, that's probably where I started thinking about having a fleet around 25. So, yeah. Do you guys ever have other shops take care of your stuff? I mean, are you guys going out of town much? No, we have a good Always. network around. And if we do, I get, I, since I'm servicing uh, Midwest and regional um, customers, I can actually tow the truck back at an affordable price and fix it myself and have a downtime somewhere that I don't even know who the, who's going to work on it, you know. What's the, what's the biggest cause of downtime for you guys where you're having to do tows? I mean, you know, we're going to say emissions, but I'm trying to say which component Uh, component. It's probably the def, right? Uh, Def quality. That's a common one. Yeah. Especially winter. If winter winter hits, you're going to start having a lot of def quality and then it just derates the engine. So, so this emission stuff is like causing downtime in ways that like pre emissions just, just never existed. Never happened. We have, we have gliders and I forget, I I have 12 gliders right now and I forgot I have them. (laughs) We rarely see them in the shop. It's just for maintenance services. Which doesn't speak good about us because we don't know we have trucks that are, we, 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 we we're servicing them, but we. You got the GPS tracking them, right? They're out there somewhere. What do, what's, what's interesting is the consumption, like uh, the um, TPF regen. When you start regening the fluid, like I can't, like all of the other wasted emissions, it was all for emissions. And then you, you're listening to a truck do a, a regen on the side of the road. And it's like, well, how much more emissions is that costing? I can't imagine this whole thing ROIs out, right? And then you're, you're baking the filters, you're replacing the filters, like, like this life cycle of how much did we actually uh, reduce the carbon footprint and how much do we increase it with all the chemicals and all the craziness that it takes to maintain them because of the restrictions that we're on. And yeah. Of it's crazy. And it, if, if I can speak to that, I can tell you the life cycle of a truck. Um, and, uh, you know, with my limited experience, I can tell you I would keep, and I still do have gliders that I bought new, you keep a glider in a pre-emission truck a lot longer than you do an emission truck. And that's, that's the, 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 the cycle is, is sped up because of emissions. Plus, you know, the costs being so high to fix one boxes or anything that has to do with emissions is putting the owner up at risk and not letting them oftentimes, you know, succeed in business because rates always have downward tendency right they're trying to always cut rates and then the emissions are more and more expensive therefore you're squeezing on the profit so back in when i was starting you still had options with pre-emission trucks as used trucks now you know you're 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 starting to ask people are asking questions well where are the drivers and where are the owner ops well it doesn't make you know i'm making a bold statement here but you you put there's restrictive emissions on trucks that 
makes it harder for guys to jump in the business, then you know the capacity is not going to be there if if you're just trying to limit you know the entry to the business and guys don't know what they're doing. They don't have time to learn about emissions. We we created our channel to educate guys to to do that, but it takes a long time and and to to understand. And actually, you can't even work on it by yourself. Like if you had a glider, you can learn basic you know oh, yeah, definitely. wrenching and you're going to do it with the emissions forget about it like you and it's a it's a trend that i don't like personally um because you have two things going against young guys and guys in general jumping into it is one emissions two uh the talk about autonomous trucks right it's it's not helping the industry at all we think um i wanted to ask about well autonomous and electric but um First off, the gliders, what's the deal with the gliders these days? They're really clamping down on that, right? Or can you still get the gliders that you want? Yeah, it's limited. It's limited. The production is limited. It used to, um, now whoever was building them, they can only build an X amount that's based on what you built previously. Uh, and to be honest with you, it, it's, it's just it just completely killed the market, uh, which, was, which was a very good place for for owners to start and and that's no longer they're very expensive the ones that are on the market are expensive people are holding on to them what does a glider go for these days uh, i can tell you i just talked to uh, one of my drivers he's trying to buy one um he's about 70 grand for like half a million miles uh 2016 so almost double than a volvo would be the same uh, same mileage uh-huh. same year uh-huh. well what do you guys yeah, think of uh what do you guys think of electrification you think that's going to be a thing near term is going to impact you guys at all what's your opinion not autonomous but just like electric trucks it, it's going to be a thing for sure for what next 20 20 years roughly yeah it's going to be it's definitely going to be a thing but what we're thinking about is how to how to make trucking cool again is our tagline right yep. we're making trucking <laughs> cool because how nice. are you going how are you going to get those kids interested in working on trucks if if there is nothing if the industry has a bad rap nobody is going to tr- be excited to go into it. Um, right. So I, trucking was always cool for us, and we that's what we're doing. We're trying to have people interested in what we do and have entertainment around it. We have an old 1978 International with a Cummins uh, engine that's going to be our show truck and our tow truck in the back. We bought it to work on it. We have maybe seven videos around it. We dropped the projects because... It's, it was super overwhelming for us with what we had going on, but we want to get back to it, build, build cool trucks, cool old trucks, uh, cab overs. Next project is going to be a cab over, um, and, and we just want to shoot as much as we can around having fun and building those those big old trucks, you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's got to help you with the recruiting, right, for drivers? Yeah, that's that's of course. I mean, I would like to show that, you know, um, a, a company like us, there are real people behind it that are passionate about what they do and just show our passion whether you know it gets gets us more drivers or text yeah that's the benefit but ultimately let's just spread the love about big semi trucks you know yeah that's cool how do you guys how do you guys find your loads for the trucking company are you guys going to a load board do you have like are you kind of like a dedicated carrier why are you trying to start a trucking company no i just curious <laughs> just curious well so my understanding when people find out what I do, they assume that, oh, um, he must know everything about the trucking industry, but it's 
completely different industry, right? I mean, we're on the truck repair side and there's still plenty I don't know on the truck repair side, let alone what you guys are doing, um, actually running loads. One of our board members is the CEO of truckstop.com. And so we've learned a little bit from him, but um, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. So you don't have to give me the secret sauce, that's fine. Let's <laughs> have this dialed in, but um, I'm always looking to learn. So I'll give you the secret sauce. It's uh, relationships, um, you know, meeting people that need your services and then just building on trust. So not having to go through a load board. Yeah, we've we've stayed away from load boards. We do have a division that that runs on load boards. I I invest more in in long term relationships where we can, you know, that can get us through recessions and. You're not always capitalizing on the uptick like we have right now with load boards, but you know we can, we can still capitalize on it right now. We're doing a pretty decent amount of load board work, uh, but we also have relationships to fall back if we want to just uh, stay to, you know on contracted freight and and just not worry about um, load boards and booking freight. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. A lot of pressure with load boards too. You perform or you don't perform. You lose the board. Uh, you, you lose the load. You, you you could be. It's a lot of risk in it. Feast or famine. And um, if your truck's not running right, that's a big problem. Miss an appointment. That's why it's such a big component. Um, the, knowing the truck maintenance because you can play the load board game and be successful and make good money and also still have home time. If you if you do it right, because if you know how the market's acting and what it's doing, if the rates don't make sense, just stay at home and you don't have a truck note that you have to worry about, right? And 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 capitalize on it when the market is hot, like right now. Uh, grind and make some extra money, and then you know when the market goes back to normal or below, then well, I'm gonna take a couple of weeks off and I don't have to worry about it. You know, it, it, there's a lot of opportunities in it, and uh, that's what we would like to. We will, what we talk about is, you know, don't be the 80% of the industry that, that fails within the first year of being an owner-op, right? And I pull that number out of hearing different sources. I don't think if it's accurate, but uh, I, I, it's, a pre, it's a pretty high number of people actually going out of business as owner-ops. It's relatively easy to get in, but hard to sustain it, right? You know, my brother-in-law, he, he, uh, he had a semi-truck for quite a while, just owner-operator. A friend of his had it. He said, uh, what are you doing with that thing? Got it maintained and then ran a couple load boards. And as soon as they saw his performance, they're like, you want to do dedicated? We won't, you know, like, we'll treat you right. Let's get a dedicated run. And he immediately found that what you were saying, relationships. He just, it, it worked. He didn't have to go. Uh, the load board was profitable. He got to work when he wanted to work. But he went directly for the relationship and it actually came to him. It started with the load board. He performed really well. And they're just like, you know, this is a good thing. Do you want to, do you want to just do this for us? Uh, let's keep this going. And it actually just turned out really well. And he got off of load boards for a number of years. Um, obviously, he he also ran, I think, two log books at that time, <laughs> made a good, good living, which I'm sure wasn't probably good. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, relationships are key. I, I, uh, a friend of ours uh, runs a small uh, um, load board company and everything they do is find people, good people they can trust and broker the loads through them, pay them right. So they come back, uh, everybody wins, win-win. So uh, kind of appreciate and recognize and relate to what you're saying about uh, how you approach doing business. Yeah, definitely. And it's, 
you know the 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 stress in the industry and and people stressing out and and maybe not necessarily recognizing how the relationships are important is because of i think uh, emissions when they start getting into trouble with high repair costs and then they then they're stressing out because then you have a bad investment uh really long bad investment that you have to deal with and and you never know when it's going to end and you go to a shop and then another 10,000 and another 7,000 and you're like holy crap how do i get out of this you know right yeah guys as we're kind of wrapping this up um and maybe maybe sebastian you already covered this by mentioning your dad but this maybe sounds corny but who's your inspiration like what you guys have done this takes a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of intelligence and stuff uh what keeps you going and and uh what who do you kind of look to for that go first you have somebody inspiration sebastian uh ever, no i'm being serious uh it's like a father to you right almost, dude this guy almost. is amazing uh treated me amazing ever since i came on board um I can always go to this guy for anything trust this guy with anything dude so yeah this guy cool cool appreciate it yeah uh thank you for that jose um you're gonna get a race tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) much love much respect right there sebastian you can't buy that yeah for sure well it's i think it's it speaks to my passion about the industry and that comes to that comes down to my dad um my dad was big inspiration to me because he he was the the guy that was like, screw it, I gotta get out of this crazy country and build a better life. And that's that decision alone um, is such a bold move on his on his end that it's like, well, now I have to now I have to do something, right? And <laughs> and um, just it is a good question. It's a, it's a it's a it's a, a lot of people around me. I feel like valuing relationships is important to me. So. Yeah, with my dad, with people around me that helped me succeed. It's it's a bunch of people that on my team, uh, support, family, my wife especially. That if I grind, I grind. They know I'm grinding because I love the industry, and there's no no bad feelings about. Hey, how about you hang out with the kids? I have four kids, right? That's probably the also the biggest inspiration is my kids. I have four amazing kids, and I'm I do it for them. It's awesome. Very cool. And um, I guess uh, finally, you mentioned that you want to make trucking cool again. What's your what's your pitch to get people into the industry, whether it's trucking or truck repair? What do you what do you tell people? It's to us. Jose being uh, really good at what he does with fixing trucks because he started early and committed and he knows he loves it. He knows that's his sole purpose. Same thing with me. I knew being in the business, uh, it was my purpose to build something that was a little bit different, a little bit better. So how do I bring in more people and make it more interesting? Well, we're gonna try to produce videos that are fun so people can see that it's not always a dirty industry like some people say and make a good entertainment out of it and make people interested in in seeing how Jose succeeds in, in what he's doing, how, we're, we're building something that's new on the market. That's a different angle, right? Um, nobody talks about like to me, trucking was always cool. Nobody talks about that. It's a cool job to have. You're, you're rolling down the highway in an awesome truck. Yeah. It's kind of amazing how little content is out there, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I am super glad you guys are doing this. Uh, I think we should have more 
vloggers, more more YouTube channels around trucking. Uh, we started a Facebook group for our guys to help each other and and create a support network. And that's the way it should be. You utilize the new tools and the media we have available. Yeah, get more people in. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that's cool. That's when I grew up, trucking was cool. If you drove by a truck, you were like, rah, rah, all the kids. It was like. Let's, and the truckers always do it right, and it, it's just it's it's pretty cool that you're bringing that kind of spirit back to the industry. Totally agree. Well, Sebastian and Jose, can't wait to meet you in person sometime. This has been awesome. really It'll fun, be amazing, yeah. So, uh, your channel, YouTube channel, is Truck You, right? right. Truck Y O O, yep. Y O O, Truck You. So everyone, subscribe. So it came from Truck You Own and Operate. Oh, that's where it came there we from. Go. Oh yeah, that's very dry, very uh, straight laced. That's really good. Um, so definitely subscribe there. Uh, I will. Um, I'm sure Chris will too. Start watching your videos. Absolutely. It's really cool to see that uh, content coming out. So best of luck, guys. Let us know what we can do. I mean, we'll we'll send you hats. I don't know if that'll make any difference, but we'll exchange hats. We'll send you ours. You send us yours. Every yeah. little bit. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been great to talk to you. And like I said, can't wait to meet you in person. And let's do this again. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Diesel Stories Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and check out dieselstories.com for more episodes.